station, but we're here for a real education. Hello and welcome to the first episode of A Real Education featuring me, I'm Tim Wick, and my cohort, Jenny Young. Yay, that's me. So we have to explain this podcast the first time and, and maybe we'll explain it like every five podcasts. We'll just put an information page up <laughs> information on the website. Information page. Yeah, that's probably best. So yeah. what we're going to do is uh, Jenna is well known amongst those of us who know her as having seen no movies. Zero, well, not zero movies, but, but nothing that counts. Nothing that, no <laughs> No movies that count. So what we are going to do through the course of this podcast is educate Jenna on good movies by having her watch them. Now, what we're not going to do is record the experience of watching the film on the podcast. That's ridiculous. (laughs) That'd be silly. But instead, we're going to tell you what movie we're going to watch. Jenna's going to tell you what she knows about the movie. Yes. I will offer a little bit of information about the film for Jenna's entertainment value. (laughs) And then Jenna and I will go and watch the movie and return to talk about her reaction to the film. Excellent. So we'll see how this goes the first time through. <laughs> the movie we're going to watch is Casablanca. Casablanca. Casablanca, which is a movie that I would think every single film fan has watched and has an opinion on. Uh, Jenna, we've already I'm, established, is not a film I'm, fan. I'm, <laughs> True. <laughs> Bing. But through the course of this podcast, we hope <laughs> to make her one. So, Jenna, please tell us, what do you know about Casablanca? Okay. I'm pretty sure it's in black and white. All right, I'll give you that one. I'm, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, Am I supposed to, like, bing? Yes, I, correct. I don't or, know. Whatever. Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure it's in black and white. Yep. Uh, it, like, I want to say it has something to do with either World War One or World War Two ish and there's a lot of catchphrases that come out of it. <laughs> That's what I know. Like, I think Play It Again, Sam, comes from that. Yeah? Uh, technically, yes, even though they never say that in the film. Oh, that's fantastic. Now yeah. I'm super excited. Um, and there's, it's something about airplanes. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> something about something airplanes. About All right, airplanes. Really, everybody who I, <laughs> is listening to this podcast that knows the film is cringing, although uh, just about everything you said is technically correct. Okay. Technically correct. Um, a little bit of history, not, maybe not history, but... Some interesting factoids about this film. Uh, when Roger Ebert is a writes uh, articles about films called The Great Movies, this is one of the movies that he's written about as being one of the great movies. Sure. He's also done a commentary track on the film. And uh, one of the interesting things that he says on the commentary track, when he's asked what he thinks the best film ever made is, he always answers Citizen Kane, which is a common sure. film that, that critics mention. And we will cover it on this podcast at some <laughs> point. When he's asked what his favorite movie is, he always answers Casablanca. Um, Casablanca has an amazing cast. Uh, It is the iconic Humphrey Bogart role. That and Maltese Falcon are probably the two iconic Humphrey Bogart films. You don't know who any of these actors are, and that's all right, because I want you to know who Humphrey Bogart is. If we're doing a film education, Humphrey Bogart is an actor you need to know. You need to see a picture. You need to go, oh, Humphrey Bogart. We're going to watch another film with Humphrey Bogart. I want to see this because Humphrey Bogart is in this movie. Okay. Um, There are a lot of other iconic uh, bit players in the film, including Peter Lorre and Sidney Greenstreet, and uh, it's just a remarkably well-structured film, and it's certainly one of my favorites as well. It's not my favorite movie, but I can understand why Roger Ebert would call it that. So I look forward to sharing this movie with Jenna, and then I look forward to us sharing Jenna's response to this movie (laughs) with all of you. So we'll be right back after this manufactured break that will actually last about two hours.
okay, we're back. We watched the movie. Yay! There was a plane. There was a plane. It was black and white. There was a war. <laughs> there was a it war. It was even one of the two that I listed as possibilities. There was. So. They, they don't say, play it again, Sam. That is a, that is a fallacy. That, that is a fallacy. He says, play it, Sam. You played it for her. You can play you it can for play me. You can play it for me. Okay. Play it, Sam. That's the actual line. I try to keep track of all of the different lines that I had heard during the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, Can you uh, which ones? Let's see. Here's looking at you, kid. Yeah, that's, 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 that's yeah. obviously. Yeah. Um, uh, of all the gin joints, gin joints and all, and all the, the world. world. Yeah, blah blah, mm-hmm. blah 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 blah. She had to walk into mine. Yeah. Uh, 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 this is the start of a beautiful friendship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there was more. Oh, there's like, a lot I, more. Oh man, it's 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 like the Hamlet of film. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, oh. it, um, there there are a few things about the film. You know, that I don't want to. I didn't want to give away ahead of time. One of the things that's interesting sure. about the movie, you know, it was a B picture. It wasn't a picture that anybody thought was going to be a great movie. Oh. They they were just throwing it together. Um, and uh, it's important. The movie's uh, filmed in in 1942. Okay. Uh, Pearl Harbor happens in December of 1941. Yeah. There's only one point in the film where they mention what the date is. They don't mention the day, but they say that the film takes place during December of 1941. I did catch that. And the only American in the film is Rick, and he's the only person in the film who's neutral. Huh. Through the majority of the film until the very end nice when bus. Rick picks a side. Oh. Everybody else in the movie... Oh. Is okay. international. The <laughs> yeah. only American in the film picks a side in December 1941. All that right. doesn't seem accidental. No, um, no, that's fantastic. It's very clever. Uh, it's very clever. Because I did catch 1941. I didn't catch the month. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I was like, well, is that, what's good? Did that happen? I, mm, yeah, history yeah. is awkward. So, yeah. So, you know, a couple other things. Sydney Greenstreet plays the, the man who runs the Purple Parrot. Uh, okay. He's the guy with the fez, uh, and I just have to point out that my cat Sydney, who is a black and white cat, is named after Sydney Greenstreet. So, <laughs> that's uh, fantastic. So, from the geek perspective of Casablanca and Sydney okay. Greenstreet, he's also in the Maltese Falcon, which we'll have to watch. Um, right. Three people uh, are similar between the Maltese Falcon and uh, Casablanca. Hen- Humphrey Bogart is in both. Okay, and then uh, Sydney Greenstreet, and then also. Uh, Peter Lorre, who plays Ugate, who's the character that got the letters of transit at the beginning of the film okay, and then yeah. is captured. Yes. Um, so those three actors are also in okay. the Maltese Falcon. So we'll, we'll, we'll circle back around <laughs> to them later. Um, anyway, what did, what did you think? Uh, I liked it. It was, it was, it was fun. I, I like, there were definitely, there's a thing that happens with older films that we don't always get as much in newer film. And that's, uh, the the subtle dry patter uh-huh. um, that happens. And I think that's one of the things that I really like about Joss Whedon is that you get some of that patter thing going on. Whedon's a very good writer. Yeah. Of so, and like, there there are certain things. Like, they just go back and forth and they just, you know, slip in a, a, like a light touch of humor. But it was sure. very funny within the con. It was great. I like dialogue in old movies a lot. Yeah. They had to be a lot more clever. Part of that's the Hayes Code. Are you aware of what the Hayes Code no. is? Oh, my God. we got to do an episode just talking about the Hayes Code. <laughs> 
But the Hayes Code... Stum it up. The, the Hayes Code was a set of rules of morality that films had to follow. So you got to be really careful oh. about what you do. So, for instance, sure. Ilsa is married to Victor Laszlo. That yeah. means at no point can it be really obvious that she's ever had sex with Humphrey Bogart's character as, as an affair. Because that's not acceptable. Wasn't but she in a robe at one point? We though? both like, know she had sex thing? with Humphrey Bogart's character, don't we? Well, yeah. But there's you nothing. There's nothing in dialogue or action that sure. absolutely tells you that those two characters had sex. That's part of the Hayes Code. Well, if you're gonna tell people that two characters had sex without actually being able to say it or show it, you've mm-hmm. got to be pretty clever. Yeah. There are other things like I, I don't know if you caught the. There's definitely in Captain Raynaud a somewhat veiled homosexual thing going on with Rick. Um, that's huh. in the dialogue and in the way uh, Claude Rains plays the character. That, well, there, there are things like if I were a woman, I would be in love with Rick. Oh sure, and, okay. And you know he was he was he was uh, paying attention to Ilsa in a way that frankly made me very jealous. Now. Part of that is just okay. amusing patter, but if you look at it, there is yeah. a certain level of attraction oh, that's seems to have for oh. Rick. Um, and, and they would put these kind of things in sure. some of those movies, but they couldn't say them out loud. Oh. So what I'm going to say is Maltese Falcon, one thing you're going to want to look for in, in that movie, there's a character that in the book, it is in, in the book The Maltese Falcon, it says, mm-hmm. this character's gay. Okay. It comes right out and says it. They can't say it in the movie, but you know when when we get Wait. back around to that movie, I'll say, <laughs> okay. "Tell me if you can figure out which character is gay." Given that the scriptwriter can't tell you. Okay. Um, and so there there are things like that that force the scriptwriters in in those films to be a lot more clever and it, made the and and also with all the special effects stuff we have, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I fucking love the Lord of the Rings. It's awesome, but yeah. Because they couldn't do as elaborate visual stuff as they can now, they had mm-hmm. to they had to write good dialogue. Yeah. Um, at least you know, and certainly there are plenty of old films in which there is not good dialogue, <laughs> but the best of the old films have sure. great dialogue. Yeah. And this is a good example. I absolutely love that. I um I I'm thinking of the the whole uh the the rule and the the having to veil everything, and I'm thinking of. When we do vilification tennis out at festival, <laughs> and they're like, and we have to try not to R- be so overt. We have to take <laughs> like, an R-rated show and make it PG-13. Yeah. And this is, imagine taking a PG-13 rated show and making it rated G. G. Yeah. But saying the same thing. But saying the same things, yeah. Um, That's, yeah. You know, because Rick and Ilse's relationship doesn't actually work as well if you don't think there's a sexual component. It's true. Um, and, and so the... It has to be there, but you can't tell anybody because she's married, and married girls don't do that. Well, obviously. Yeah, ever. Excellent. Uh, or if they do, they have to get punished. I mean, that was another yeah. part of the Hayes Code. If you're a bad guy, you, you got punished. Okay. If you are seen doing something illegal or immoral, oh. by the end of the film, there must be a consequence for that action. Oh. Oh. So, so. <laughs> Wow, I love it. And the consequence must be uh, be of an equal level of severity mm-hmm. to the action. So sure. even even Ugate, who he killed a couple of German couriers, and they're Germans. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. But 
he's, he's still... a murderer, and there yep. is a consequence for being. Well, what a murderer. about that pit pocketing guy that we kept seeing throughout the the movie? Uh, you know, that's mm-hmm. interesting, isn't it? But the it other is. trick about the Hayes Code people is they didn't notice everything. Sure. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So, Way to be sneaky. <laughs> so, if if you could uh, Hitchcock, there there's some wonderful stories about Hitchcock, and we'll have to we'll have to when we do a Hitchcock film, we'll talk about things where Hitchcock was very aware of the Hayes Code. Okay. And he that would put sense. scenes in his movie that he knew they would cut specifically so they would miss the scene he wanted to leave <gasps> in. Oh. Oh, <laughs> that's like the. Best politics ever. <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> well, the Hayes, the Hayes Code. And let's be honest. The people that were doing it were mm-hmm. kind of prudish yep. and not always the brightest in that they would see the really blatant stuff. Sure. And then, but um, a few other things about this movie that I love. There's Humphrey Bogart is a really extraordinary actor, but he's very subtle. So, I mean, mm-hmm. there are things like... If you watch the entire beginning of the movie up until the flashback point, yeah. you will never see Rick smile. Okay. And the first shot in the flashback, he's smiling. Oh. And think about how big a difference that does in setting up True. How, who Rick is now versus who he was. Sure. And, and Bogart was really able to do that to convey a really significant shift. If you think about that character in flashbacks and how... He feels like a different person, but you don't yeah. really know all the reasons. But it's that's a different guy that's fantastic. in Paris versus the guy in Casablanca. It really is, yeah. The guy in Casablanca has changed dramatically, and, and Paris is showing us why he's the Casablanca guy. Nice. Um, so, and I, I also think Ingrid Bergman is the most beautiful thing that's ever happened on the earth. <laughs> I, I don't want to be sexist about it. She's not the yeah. most beautiful woman. She's the most beautiful person. That sure. I, yeah, she's just... She is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah. And oh. uh, in that movie, they they just... They knew it and they used it. They... they <laughs> yeah. Lots of really nice close-ups on her. Yeah. Uh, how how do you feel about black and white? There are a lot of people that, that are very biased against black and white. And I'm not. Like, that, that, that feels racist. yeah no but i i don't know i mean there's there's definitely a certain um uh uh, feeling towards the movies and i think that's probably more of a time thing than it is Mm -hmm. you know whether there's color or not i don't i i don't care um but usually when i see an old black and white film i've got an idea of uh, how the storyline's going to go or how the pattern's going to happen in the movie or mm-hmm. what kinds of things I can expect to see. Uh-huh. Um, and so, yeah, I'm not biased against them. I think they're fantastic for their own things. Yeah. But the interesting thing is that especially when you get... In 42, not quite as much because uh, color was still pretty expensive. Sure. But, you know, keep in mind in 1942 they had color film. Now, making a color film was more expensive than making a black and white film, as opposed sure. to now, where it's actually more expensive to make a black and white film than it is <laughs> to make a color film. But um, in order to... So you always had that artistic choice. Mm-hmm. So you, you kind of need to think about the fact that a lot of these films, they chose to make it in black and white. Okay. That that, that look felt right for that sure. particular film. Um, it's also financial. This is a B film. 
So they're not likely to spend the amount of money that they have to spend to make a Technicolor film. No, that makes sense. Um, and but I think it really lends a, a, an air to a film that is is really kind of amazing. That it it it, it really kind of simplifies the visual and and mm-hmm. and gets you to focus in on the composition of of the shot instead of how amazingly beautiful everything looks in color. Well, and I mean we have we have so many action films and things like that now with all of these great special effects and you're like, "Oh my god, look at that special effect." But the like and and with this one, story was so very important to mm-hmm. it. Like if if you had color if in Maybe in the the time itself, maybe overall, would that have detracted from the storyline? Yeah, sometimes I feel like it it so. would. I also think you know any films of of that time period, you know, not endorsing smoking at all, but smoking looks oh, way better in black God. and white. Well, there's a, and as an ex smoker, like <laughs> every time they just did this shot of him, I'm like, oh it is, God, damn it! It, it do really I want is. A cigarette. It, it's kind of smoker oh. porn. It's, it's kind oh. of smoker porn, oh. um, but I mean, it's done because think of what the smoke adds visually to the composition oh, yeah. of of it. It's there's, not. It's about giving the actors something to do. Well, but there's there's a passage of time that you can visually see with smoke, because mm-hmm. um, the smoke itself is still moving, even if the actor is completely still, lost in thought or whatever. Right. So you can watch the time pass as opposed to just seeing a blank face, mm-hmm. like. Yeah, so. it, it, it it makes a huge difference in, in the look of pretty. a film, and they don't <laughs> they don't really do smoking in film anymore. And yeah, I understand that from a you know you don't want to make smoking look cool to kids, and at the same time, it really can add something to it, a movie yeah. uh, in the right in the right film. There's another film, a Coen Brothers film called The Man Who Wasn't There, which is a black and white film. Okay. Um, then they chose, you know, obviously, obviously you know, it was made chose, like yeah. 15 years ago or something like that. Obviously, they chose to make it black and white sure. on purpose. And of course, the characters in that movie smoke. And it, it really, black and white films and smoking go together. I, <laughs> it, it's not, it may not be right, but it's really true. <laughs> that black and white films and smoking go together. So, I, I think we'll have to we'll have to watch a few more smoking films. I, oh. <laughs> Um, ah, I want a cigarette <laughs> so bad right now. I know, smoker porn, it's really true. It really is. Um, you know, another thing that I haven't touched on, uh, Claude Rains, who plays Captain Renault, mm-hmm. is pretty much my favorite character actor ever in movies, ever. Okay. Um, I, I'm fond of saying about Claude Rains is that there's not a single film that Claude, Claude Rains is in that would not suffer from more Claude Rains. Um, because there's always I I feel Claude Rains is one of those actors of of whom there is never enough Uh, he just he makes Renault greasy and sleazy and yet likable anyway oh I wanted him to win but I didn't want him to win but I wanted him to win yeah because he's awesome it's like I was cheering for him I just wanted him to drop the womanizing and the the the, uh. You're like, whenever, whenever they come out with the sequel, who cares about Rick? You know, bring out the... I right. suppose he's got to be there. But, I mean, well, don't you wish there'd been a sequel about the beautiful friendship oh. where you got more Renault? 
Yeah. Or or a prequel about how Renault became the prefect of oh. police because I'm pretty sure he didn't do it through really upstanding means. I, I, uh, he got he got a badge in Boy Scouts. Yeah, he's a, he's a shady, <laughs> underhanded dude, but he's awesome. And Reigns just has that ability to really make you like mm-hmm. any character he plays. Yeah. And he's played some real cads. There's a, <laughs> a Hitchcock film called Notorious, which also has Ingrid Bergman in it and Claude Rains in it. And and wow, Rains is a really shady character in that one. And yet, at the end of things, you kind of feel for him a little bit. And 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 that's just because Rains is so charming. Um, he really is. He he's he just is. got this 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 yeah. Yeah, you know yeah. <laughs> If, if there was a person I'm like, I don't think you can go wrong with a movie with this guy in it. It's Claude Rains. Mm-hmm. Because no matter how bad the movie might be, and I'm not saying he was in a lot of bad movies. Sure. But the thing is, no matter how bad the movie might be, Claude Rains is in it. It's like that person that like you just see them walk into a room and you're instantly five shades happier. Yes. It's like, oh, yay, you're here. Like. Yeah. My mom just died, but whatever. Like, <laughs> you know, you're La- here, so that helps. Florence of Arabia is a four-hour-long movie, and Claude Rains is in it, and he's not in it for very long because he's like he's pretty <laughs> old when Lawrence of Arabia is okay. made. It's very late in his career. He's in maybe, God, maybe ten minutes of the film. Okay. And as good as the rest of the film is, all you can think is, I was willing for this movie to be longer if Claude Rains had been in more of it. <laughs> so. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> so just you know that that that's my Claude Rains thing. That Claude Rains is awesome, and and there needs to be more Claude Rains. So now I'm just going to ask before I think before we we close out, I, sure. I need to ask a couple of questions about movies related to this movie. <laughs> related. So I can to this figure movie. out. I can figure out <laughs> exactly how, how lacking my education how is. How far behind we are. Oh. Okay. So speaking of Claude Rains. Okay. Have you seen The Adventures of Robin Hood with Errol Flynn? Yes. Okay. Yes. All right, that's not Errol bad. Flynn, I'm... Yes. Oh, you're well-versed in Errol it's, Flynn. It's, yes. It's a, it's a oh, sword fighting thing. It's a thing. sword fighting thing. Okay. It is. That's good. That's good. So, <laughs> Claude Rains in that is Prince John. Yep. So, uh, that's good. All right, so... Uh, and we already talked about Notorious. I'm guessing we, we don't have... No, no luck. No. No luck with Notorious. And the Maltese no. Falcon you haven't seen. Nope. Okay, so I feel like... I don't know whether we should do this like Link movies. <laughs> you know, like either by style, by genre, or actor, or director. Because Michael Curtiz, who directed this movie, is mm. another name that you should know. Okay. Um, oh, and, and here's a, the thing. I'm so bad with names. You've given me about 15 different names. And I'm like, okay, I, I there was that guy. And then the one name. And then... <laughs> There's the well, chick. Like. Michael Curtiz also, uh, I've got to open up the IMDb here. I should have had it open up to begin uh, with because that's, that's, that's my go-to to, get my, to do my trivia stuff. But Michael Curtiz also directed The Adventures of Robin Hood. Okay. Um, and he's Oh, then of, I like him. <laughs> yeah, well, he's one of those uh, very well-known directors of the early, that, that early, like, 30s and 40s period. Uh or I think it's pronounced Michael Curtiz. I'm going to get in trouble. Somebody's going to listen Some, to this. So, oh, God. Oh, you dumb Well, fuck. actually. Um, but <laughs> uh, where is this? All? I mean, he just directed a ton of stuff. 
Um, have you ever heard of the Wax Museum? No. Oh, see, there's another one so. we got to do. So this is a Michael right. Michael Curtiz link, and it's a Vincent Price film about a wax museum, and it's a horror film, and so it was a 3D film. Okay. And it's based on a Mark, Michael Curtiz film called The Mystery of the Ma- Wax Museum, which comes as an extra on the Wax Ooh. Museum. And it is oh, that sounds like fun. better than the Wax Museum in every way except for the fact that Vincent Price isn't in it. Because Vincent Price is the same kind of modifier as as uh, Claude Rains. Okay. Vincent Price makes a movie better. The more Vincent Price in a movie, the more, the better the movie is. It's 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 an equation that is unassailable. Okay. It, more, more more Vincent Price, more Vincent Price equals better, better movie. movie. Got it. Less Vincent Price equals okay. not as good a movie. Just okay. Important to know. It's, I, I feel like I should be writing this down next to the Pythagorean theorem <laughs> and like all my other math it, equations. It, on the website, <laughs> we'll have to come up with Tim's movie rules. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, Tim's movie rules. More do do we cut them off after 50 or do we just keep going? No, we just keep adding just, because right. it'll be fun. So Michael Curtiz <laughs> is another name we need to know. We need to explore some other movies by him. Okay. But you, oh, Captain Blood. Well, that's a, that's a Claude Rains. Not Claude Rains. That's a swashbuckler with our friend Errol Flynn so Ooh. you've probably seen it I haven't seen that what <gasps> see there we go oh. Captain Blood so we have to do that one too see right. I don't I don't obsess over things I'm just like Errol Flynn I like him here's a thing I'll watch that like but I don't like go out and find everything about it I'm not I'm not I'm not a good movie geek I don't well, yeah. yeah, that's that. That's that's what that's, this is all well, about. This is about okay. turning you into that, a good movie geek. So you can go, <laughs> oh, I liked this guy. This 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 Sydney Greenstreet guy that you named your cat after. <laughs> what can I find that's going to be more Sydney Greenstreet guy? So, so that's 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 the idea. So now I have some good ideas based on this film of where okay. we can go next. So we'll see Excellent. whether or not we're going to do a related movie. Or whether or not we'll something break completely out. different. Well, singing in the rain. We got to get to singing in the rain. So sure. anyway, uh, we're still figuring out this podcast. So if you'd listen to the first one, don't worry. By the time we do the fifth or sixth, we're totally going to yeah. have this all sorted out, Gross. and we'll we'll know everything about this <laughs> podcast. But thanks for joining us while I educated Jenna yes, on Casablanca, you. and uh, we will figure out what we're going to educate her on next. If you have any suggestions, feel Definitely. free to email us. I'm sure there will be some sort of email set up by the time this podcast actually goes on the air. Yes. So feel free to email, <laughs> email us with your suggestions of what movies we should subject Jenna to. Thanks for listening. Yep. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed our film fixation. We'll see you next time on A Real Education. Dee, dee.